The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And it's uh, 7.05. Yes, that's correct. The Employment Law Show is live this Wednesday evening. Ryan Bonner in for John Scholes. And Stan Fainzelberg, senior associate, not just a regular uh, holy polly associate, uh, employment lawyer at Sam Fewer to Mark and LLP. We're here to answer all your questions about your workplace rights. You have questions about uh, employment law. Uh, maybe you're looking at a severance package and you're not sure if you're getting a fair shake. Uh, changes have happened in your workplace and you're wondering what to do about it next. This is your chance to give us a shout here. Ask Stan your questions and get an answer from a guy who's uh, who's been around a couple of years. He, he has the experience. Uh, maybe not the experience that Lior has, but uh, Stan, you can still answer the questions, any questions that come our way, I'm sure. I can certainly try. Excellent. And uh, we're taking your calls as we are live, 416-870-6400. And uh, of course, you can always find out more about your employment rights at employmentlawyer.ca or by calling 1-855-821-5900. And uh, let's let's kick things off this evening, uh, Stan. I know you got a bit you want to discuss. We're going to talk about uh, resignations uh, of employment, and you have a week that was, but uh, let's touch briefly on something that's kind of made the news rounds uh, today, and that is uh, the ongoing blockade on the CN uh, rail lines. We've we've heard this afternoon that uh, in addition to the uh, CN rail employees, about 500 or so yesterday, I th- believe it was announced they're being temporarily mm-hmm. laid off. And now we're looking at about, uh, I think, a thousand via rail employees. We're hearing that other businesses uh, across the country are feeling the impact of the blockade, and they may have to lay off employees too temporarily. Let's just quickly walk through uh, what somebody's rights are, a non-unionized employee in a temporary layoff situation. What are their options? Right. Absolutely, uh, Ryan. So obviously a huge story uh, with massive implications throughout the country. You know, the one thing to remember about the people who are being laid off, they are largely unionized employees, so they've got a completely different regime. It's certainly something that the, the employer would have negotiated with the unions. Uh, obviously, with the blockades and the, the lack of work, there certainly probably isn't enough work to go around, and I'm sure they're penny-pinching a little bit, but you got to do what you got to do to survive at this yeah. point. Uh, in terms of layoffs, though, what does it mean for the everyday pr- person who's got to get to work on time? who's got to run a business and doesn't know how they're going to get their goods or people to work. You know, and it creates a really difficult situation with really a lot of implications going on here. I mean, on the one hand, you know, unless you've got an employment contract that specifies that you, as as an employer, can lay people off, then you absolutely do not have a right under the statute to lay people off. At the end of the day, that's what we call a constructive dismissal because a constructive dismissal, as we all know, is the unilateral change to a fundamental uh, employment term. And there's probably nothing more fundamental in employment law than me paying you to come to work and you showing up to do it. That's the basis Absolutely. of employment. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the foundation <laughs> if, you're, if it all starts from that. So if, if you can't show up or you can't make it because of the VIA strike um, or the VIA blo- uh, rail the blockade, layoff, yeah. the blockade, and but you know I need you to show up. Well, what's and I can't frankly afford to pay you because my goods are stuck in Vancouver and CN can't ship them across the country for me. What options do I have? Well, I mean you could certainly try to temporarily lay somebody off. 
uh, you're going to have a problem with that potentially unless you have that contract, as I mentioned. That's certainly going to be potentially constructive dismissal. But to throw even more complexity at you, Ryan. Sure, why not? You know, why not? <laughs> it, the, uh, the other question that pops to mind is, is that frustration of contract situation? Is this such a situation where through no party's fault, you know, the relationship just can't continue right now because arguably, you know, it's not the employer's fault that they can't get their goods. It's not your fault that you can't show up to work because the trains are running. Who ultimately has to bear the brunt of that liability? I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't think the answer exists out there because this is such a unique and novel situation. Yeah, it appears to be. Yeah. But, but I guess if somebody's not involved directly in this situation, but they are facing a temporary layoff, um, before they make any decision or accept the layoff, uh, they, they should probably find out kind of what their options are. No question, because as I mentioned right off the top, Nobody has a right to lay you an employee off unless it's specified in a contract. Uh, if you've been laid off, you don't have a contract that says you can do it, you don't want to accept it, give us a call. We'll walk you through your rights and see what we can do for you. Excellent. That number is one 821 5900 or help at employmentlawyer.ca. But as I said, we're taking your calls live here this Wednesday evening. It's 416-870-6400. And we say good evening to Erica. What's your question for Stan, Erica? Hello. Good evening. Um, I am a dental assistant uh employed with the dental office for six years. The owner had recently sold the practice on January 16th of this month. Mm -hmm. Uh, The new owner terminated my employment with a written notice um, with no cause given and that I was to work in the office until March 25th. Um, Can I continue? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Showed up for work for the remaining days as of yesterday. Um, for the sorry, the February 12th and the evening of the 11th had an incident of verbal abuse um, that had taken place with the employer and myself. It was an incident report was filed and I had given it to the office manager. Uh, last night, I came home, um, received a phone call from the office manager. The employer stated that he no longer wanted me to return to work moving forward. So I... Uh, Mm-hmm. wanting to know what my rights were in pertaining to that. He then sent me, today uh, was a regular business day. The office opens at 9 o'clock. I received a message at 8.30 this morning um, stating through the office manager that he now wants me to come in um, for work. Okay. Well, so there's a lot to unpack there, Erica. Uh, so firstly, you know, in terms of the working notice period that he's given you, you know, the general proposition, general rule is, is is that if an employer gives you working notice, you have to work out that period. If you do leave prior to the period, it can be construed as a resignation. Now, there are exceptions to that. At the end of the day, you know, if it's a toxic environment, if the relationship is just toxic at this point, by no means do you have to continue to put up with that. And I'm not, you know, you mentioned a verbal altercation. I'm not sure how much uh, detail you want to give on that point. But certainly, if you were being harassed, if yeah. there were... So, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yes, I was. You were. And I and co-workers and other patients being dismissed were a witness to that because they also filed the uh, incident report along mm-hmm. with me. Oh, so perfect. I mean, if that's really the case at this point, then I would say you probably do not have to go back, um, notwithstanding the fact that your employer is now flip-flopped on that issue, decided to actually make you work out the period. 
But beyond that, Eric, I mean, he, you said you had working notice for up until March 29th? 25th. 25th. And how long of a period is that exactly from the time that he gave you the working notice? From February 11th, I think it was about six weeks. Six so weeks. I, so, Which is probably the amount of years that I worked at the practice. That's the reason why it was the six weeks. Yeah, that, that corresponds to your minimum entitlements under the statute because legally speaking, he has to give you at least one week per uh, year for every year you've worked there in terms of notice or termination pay. Now, that being said, Erica, those are certainly not your only entitlements in the situation. Unless you have a contract which specifies all you're entitled to are your minimums, then based on your age, your length of service, and your position, you may mm-hmm. be entitled to a great deal more than that. So you mentioned you were a dental assistant and that you'd yes. been there for six years. Uh, I won't query about your age, but I, I, can, uh, I can gather that you know probably depending on the age factor, your entitlements your entitlements are going to be anywhere from four to as high as six months uh, at law. So not you know the six weeks he's given you, that would eat away at those entitlements, but it certainly wouldn't be all you would be entitled to. Okay, so I'll so I can I'll tell you this. I did mm-hmm. call the Employment Service Doctor, the Labor Board this morning, and they told me that he can't he he cannot recant on the termination that he presented to me last night. It has to be agreed with both parties for my employment to now continue. So seeming that I know I do not agree, because I sent mm-hmm. this to him an email today that I no longer agree with, you know, continuing employment as you terminated it, um, he's now entitled to pay me the severance pay. And she, I was also informed that, you know, if, he doesn't comply, then I'd have to file, call the labor board to file a claim against him. Is that correct? So, no, I, I think that the labor board is slightly misleading you there on a number of fronts. So, firstly, the labor board only deals with your minimum entitlements. They can only get you the six weeks that I refer, referenced earlier. Uh, so, I would strongly advise against filing a Ministry of Labor complaint. Uh, at the end of the day, even if you're successful in that complaint, you're likely going to be limited to six weeks, whereas if you file a claim in court, let's say, you can get up to six months. Uh, That would be the first thing. Secondly, technically speaking, the termination, as you mentioned, happened on February 11th, and what he was doing was giving you working notice. Now, because of the workplace incident, as you mentioned, he decided to tell you not to come in and then recanted that. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with him changing his mind on that front, especially because it happens so quickly here. But to me, as as I said, the bigger issue here is that it sounds like the workplace is just toxic at this point, that you guys have been, that he's harassed you, that you filed a complaint against him, and at that point, he actually reprised against you for filing a complaint. And because of that, it sounds to me very strongly that you do not have to go back under these circumstances. But Erica, what I would strongly recommend you do is give us a call tomorrow at the office. They'll put you in touch with a lawyer who can get more details and give you a much more thorough analysis of your situation. Hey, Erica, um, and the number to call would be one 855 821 or uh, is the website. And, and yeah, it's, it's, as Stan mentioned, there's a lot going on here. Uh, it doesn't sound like a fun situation, uh, but she mentioned, you know, Labor Board, Ministry of Labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there. we've covered this many times before. You, Lior, uh, there's a lot of, you know, things people have to keep in mind when they do pursue that option. They have to be careful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, you could be giving up thousands and thousands of dollars by filing a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. You know, as I'm sure myself and any number of my colleagues have mentioned on this radio station, uh, the Labor Board can only award you your minimum entitlements. 
Your minimum entitlements are not your maximum entitlements. You can get significantly more in court. And before talking to the Ministry of Labor, after talking to the Ministry of Labor, call us at the office. Have a free consultation with a lawyer. Find out exactly what you're entitled to. Hey, listen, I use the Ministry of Labor myself sometimes with clients because it is a tool. There are situations. Yeah, no, and one of the situations that I often use it with is where a client has been terminated, but then they find a job right away. And, well, I was gonna I was gonna cut you off there, yeah. said and say we're gonna take a quick break, get to some more calls. I have Dan, I have Stephen, I have Richie. We're gonna get to you next, Richie. Uh, an interesting question coming up here. It's the Employment Law Show. More calls on the way. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. And always go to employmentlawyer.ca. We're back here. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we are back at it here on Global News Radio uh, 720 Live, taking your calls at 416-870-6400 or star 640 on cell. And uh, as always, go online if you want to find out more information, employmentlawyer.ca or give uh, the, the guys a call, 1-855-821-5900. Haven't mentioned it yet, Stan. Uh, Stan Bainsberg is here, Senior Associate. Associate uh, from the law firm, along uh, working with uh, beside Lior, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you have any questions about your workplace rights, a constructive dismissal, termination for cause, maybe you are you a contractor, are you? Maybe you're an employee. Find out. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That thing is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but uh, we'll get to some more on the show. But uh, as always, your calls come first, and uh, we'll get back to the lines, and we'll say good evening to uh, Richie. How are you doing, Richie? Stan, um, my daughter is a mechanical engineer that just started her first job under, just under a year ago and uh, loves her job, but the boss, not so much. Uh, what happened was that she was being asked uh, for an hour or two extra overtime every day, and um, then she's been offered training that she needs to take. Um, which is across the border in one of the company's other offices in uh, that's about six hours drive away with uh, border crossing time and was told that she wouldn't be compensated for her travel expenses or her time in, in, in that. Mm-hmm. So when she raised the issue, uh, her boss, you know, accused her of being somewhat of a petulant or a stickler, and she said, well, I'm an engineer. I calibrate things for a living. What did you expect? So, uh, so uh, P.S. He he said, okay. Well, you're now 8:30 to 4:30, and that and you won't be going for that training, and that was kind of an ominous sign. And then, uh, within about a week uh, later, just recently, said uh, we're letting you go and offered her one month and a non, uh, I don't think it's called a non-disclosure, I think it's a no further... Uh, a release, right. release Final of liability release. form? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So first of all, I just was curious because I wanted to help her navigate without mm-hmm. uh, stepping on her toes too much, but just to say what what is the... Uh, what what is the norm in this case for the extras with the uh, with the overtime expectations and something that you know pushes it really over the limit with the travel ex- travel time and expenses and that was going to be multiple three or four trips yeah of that nature yeah 
Well, I'm really sorry to hear about your daughter's situation, firstly. Uh, I mean, the norm and the general principle is pretty simple. At the end of the day, if you work for your employer, for every hour you work, you should be getting paid. In terms of the travel time for training purposes, again, if this is mandatory training that the company is saying you have to go and do this, then that's no different than work. You know, you're, it's a requirement. You're being forced to do it. You should be compensated for that. And again, in terms of overtime, overtime, mind you, kicks in only after 44 hours a week. So uh, if you work less than 44 hours a week, you may be required to do an extra hour or two here, depending on what the contract says. Ultimately, either you can get flat time for that in terms of your regular hourly rate, or you can get, uh, or it could actually be encompassed within the time contemplated, you know, within the, uh, the actual contract itself. If your usual is eight to four or whatever, you know, there's usually a half hour pay unpaid lunch in there. If you need to work an extra hour, it actually may fall within the auspices of your salary already. But if you are working any hours above 44, every hour above 44, it doesn't matter if you're an hourly employee, doesn't matter if you're a salary employee. If you work above 44 hours, you should be paid a time and a half for those hours. And in terms of the training, again, no question. If, you're, if your daughter is being required to travel for six hours a day and to conduct multiple hours of training, and she has to do this three times in a, in a given week, you know, she should be paid her regular compensation for those days. This was this was weekends out of town, so she was going to have to go for three different sessions, uh, six hours each way. Mm -hmm. oh, and they wanted on. to pay her absolutely nothing, I'm guessing. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, in addition to the uh, over 44, yep. if, if that kind of a quid pro quo is, is uh, something that's, that's not proper either. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, an employee can certainly choose to work uh, the extra hours, and a lot of people do because they want to try to pocket the extra overtime pay. Uh, the the employment if standard. You're getting paid. Yeah, if you're getting again, if you're getting paid, which legally you have to be getting paid for those hours. And keep in mind that the Employment Standards Act actually creates a maximum for how many hours an employee can be forced to work in, in Ontario, and that maximum is 48 hours a week. Now, you can certainly agree to do more. If your employer comes to you and says, hey, can you do an extra two days here, and it makes it 60 hours for that week, if you want to agree to that and they're willing to pay you a time and a half for, for hours 44 to 60, then there's nothing wrong with that. You can come to an agreement that's above that. But certainly, if they're saying you have to do this and you know, you've maxed out your hours already for the week, you can, you, no employee has to take overtime hours at the end of the day. They can refuse to work overtime. Now, sorry, Richie, what, what was the uh, package that she was offered? Uh, one month. One month. And, mm -hmm. and she, but, but having said that, she was also about to receive a bonus for her first year. <laughs> ah, so it's kind of like, come here, go away on that one. And um, the, mm -hmm. other, the other thing I wonders, was wondering is, do you... Um, if, if you're if, if they are forcing you uh, on on the um, expenses at, at what point can that be uh, what, what's your retribution for that or if they're going to say okay here's here's your opportunity oh you don't want to pay for your own um, training or training time mm -hmm. and then scale her back um, to to different hours and basically a demotion forthcoming uh, as a result, does that does that not represent uh, something in in the way that it, it came to be, be just by, by 
virtue of her not wanting to subsidize her own travel. I mean, the, there are sections of the statute which talk about a reprisal, you know, for exercising your rights under the Act. And here, what it sounds like is she exercised her right to refuse overtime hours, to refuse unpaid work, and they may have reprised against her by, you know, demoting her, by reducing her hours, and ultimately by letting her go. You know, you'll have to establish that nexus because you have to show the connection exists. But from what you're telling me, I mean, it seems pretty black and white to connect those dots. Hey, uh, Richie, I just put you on hold there. Uh, but I, I think I think what's clear is that she, if she hasn't already done so, she should reach out, Stan, to, mm-hmm. to you or somebody else in the team. Uh, because, I mean, it sounds like we, we didn't get all the, the factors, uh, mm-hmm. her age, maybe. Uh, I don't know if uh, we shared the length of time that she'd worked there. But uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that need to be kind of weighed. Yeah, I mean, firstly, you certainly have her notice period, which a month certainly sounds light by just by hearing it. You know, nobody realistically finds a job within a month's time. Fair. And the yeah. courts, you know, have understood that to the point where you don't see many notice periods kind of falling below the two, three month uh, floor. Now, in terms of what she really mentioned, which was interesting, was the bonus. Yeah. Because uh, we see this all the time. Employers think they're so smart. You know, they've got a bonus. It's It's coming up. It's coming up. Hey, why don't we get rid of this guy and pocket their bonus? You know, it's not quite that simple. And in fact, I mean, it's oftentimes very transparent in terms of what they're doing. And in that case... they get away with it, I guess, in many cases. Well, sometimes people sign releases. People don't want to fight it. It may not be worthwhile. But courts are not uh, not that easily deceived. You know, they can see through this stuff. They, you know, if you're not going to pay a person a bonus, you have to have a good reason why, especially if they worked the entire year of 2019 and the only thing that's left is, you know, oh, you got to make the calculation and pay it out on some randomly chosen date. You got no legs to stand on then at that point. Certainly not. Even if you have a clause that says we don't owe you a bonus during the termination period, during the notice period, that's still not good enough to shield you from giving you wow. a bonus from last year because you already earned that bonus. I worked 2019. I made, uh, I put in the contributions. I gave you my effort. I earned the bonus. It doesn't matter when you choose randomly to pick a date to pay it out. You know, I worked that date. My wages have essentially crystallized, and I am owed that money. Hey, Richie, uh, she needs to give Stan a call. 1-855-821-5900 or help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll jump back to the phone lines. Your calls, we're taking them live here. 416-870-6400. And uh, Daryl, good evening. What's your question here? Hey, how are you guys? Hey, not too bad. Um, so I am was i guess you could say a sales representative for a roofing and renovation company Um, i've been with them for two years when we initially signed the contract it was salary year round no mention of layoffs or time off nothing Mm -hmm. of the sort we we do do some work in the winter to to offset the decline in business through roofing so that you know layoffs was never something that as a sales representative i had to worry about We didn't have the greatest 2019, and when I went into work on Thursday, they told me that Friday would be my last day and that they were laying me off. Okay. Um, No real notice or anything, which my understanding Mm -hmm. with a layoff, you don't have to give any notice. It can kind of just be done, and as long as they bring me back within, I believe it's 13 weeks, it's something that's completely within their ability to do. I did go through the actual employment contract, and... There's nothing in there that they've specifically put as Mm -hmm. a clause that, you know, I could be laid off. So, I mean, my understanding is I kind of have two options, one being 
you know, I, I can try and get them, force them to bring me back, which I fear would cause not the greatest work environment or to take it as sort of a constructed dismissal and try and demand severance from them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think in terms of the first option you mentioned, I mean, forcing them to bring you back is maybe not the right way to characterize it. You can certainly let, you know, wait out a period to see if they do recall you because it may be the case that's an actual true temporary layoff. You know, like the Via Rail employees who unfortunately yeah. had to be laid off uh, due to the blockade. But again, you're also right in saying that if you don't have a contract that says anything about them giving, uh, allowing, allowed to be laying you off, then they have no authority to do that. That's a constructive dismissal. Um, now, you mentioned one thing now, I do. Sorry. Sorry. One Go thing ahead, I sorry. do want to mention to you, though, is because you mentioned the 13 week period. And there's actually two periods of layoff that uh, is allowed under the statute. The 13 week period is actually the shorter one. If they, however, continue your benefits, then they can lay you off for a period of 35 weeks. And I don't know. Are they continuing your benefits? So it's just a small business. They don't do any benefit. Okay. So then the 13-week layoff would apply to you. And yeah, I mean, it's a tough decision you've got to make to decide, do I want to try and just get my severance and parachute out of there? Or do I like working here enough to stick it out on EI and try to you know make ends meet while I wait and hope that they call me back? You know, but ultimately, that's if, the decision that you're faced with now. If I go to them and... I guess demand isn't the right word, but say that I want my severance because it was a dismissal. Suggest. How about that? Suggest. Suggest. Sure. I like that term. Better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if I suggest that, you know, this is a layoff, or sorry, this is a dismissal, I mean, I guess. Well, you can certainly do that. The problem is that oftentimes employers will just point to the statute and say, see, it says right there, I can lay you off. Read the statute. And not recognizing that the statute, again, only creates a minimum floor in terms of entitlements. And this particular instance, again, unless the statute is incorporated into an employment contract, it actually has no application. So I've already had an employment lawyer look at the contract, and yeah. he told me that there's there's nothing in there. Yeah, so, I mean, you can certainly go to them and say, hey, this is what we heard, uh, this is what I was told, and, you know, I think you've constructively dismissed me, but I'd rather not fight it, and can we come to some sort of arrangement? Honestly, that approach depends on how reasonable your former employer is. Some employers you can negotiate with, you can deal with. Some, unfortunately, you cannot. Hey, uh, Daryl, thank you very much for the call. So I think he's, you know, got, has a couple of things to think about there. Uh, I hope that was uh, one of our employment lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> but if it wasn't and you want to connect with one of them, Stan or Lee or somebody there, you can give them a call, Daryl, 1-855-821-5900 or, or via email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And a lot of these scenarios, uh, Stan, the ones we've talked about uh, this evening so far, uh, there sometimes, you know, it's not clear cut. You have to make a choice. Um, you know, sometimes it's the opposite where you've been let go and you're owed severance. Boom, there it is. But other times it's, it's not so easy. Yeah, I mean, especially when dealing with constructive dismissals at the end of the day, you know, the employee has to make a choice and it's not a very fair choice. Mm -hmm. You know, they're put in the unenvious position of having to decide, are they going to walk away, try to fight for a severance package, potentially have no income coming in for an unknown period of time, 
Or are they just going to accept it and now give their employer the authority to lay them off whenever they feel like? Because, again, you know, even if in terms of a layoff, if it's not an employment contract, but you have a history of layoffs, you've implicitly now given the employer the authority to lay off by just agreeing to to doing do it in the past. The door's open, huh? Yeah. Yeah, once it's happened once, you know, they now can point to that and say, no, you, you acquiesce to it. See, it happened last time. We're just doing it again. Thank you very much. Uh, if you have any more questions, give us a shout here. Stan is uh, answering them live. 416-870-62400 here on Global News Radio. Uh, and while we wait for some more calls to stream in here, Stan, uh, let's jump to uh, a topic. There's terminations, uh, but on the other side, there are resignations. So I'm going to I'm gonna run through some questions here. I, you're going to play the role, obviously, as the employment lawyer. I think that's fitting. Well, we can uh, switch if you want. Uh, I, I think I'm good. I, I have a basic understanding here, but you guys know what, uh, what you're doing. Uh, uh, I'll play the role of, uh, of an employee asking these questions here. So sure. my employer, the first one, Stan, is my employer is telling me that I can either be fired for cause or resign and he will help me get EI. Do I have to resign? You know, that, that's a question that, frankly, Ryan, we hear a lot more often than I would think. Really? It's crazy how many employers out there think that they can present this false dichotomy of option A or option B and say, well, pick one. But you don't have to pick one of those two because, frankly, you know, if I'm telling you either resign or you're fired, that's really no choice at all. You're, in fact, I mean, it's very clear you're being terminated at that point. Even if you choose the option of resignation, you know, based on the fact scenario, there's no question you've been terminated. And you can go back and talk to a lawyer who will explain that that's yes, you've been terminated and no, they can't make you choose this way and go back and start an action against this employer for being terminated and for your severance pay. Well, I was gonna I was gonna jump to another one here before we grab a call here, Stan. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm the employee, and uh, my question is, how much notice do I have to give to resign from uh, my employment? So the answer to that question is dependent on your employment contract. Mm. Oftentimes, you know, you'll see an employment contract says you have to give two weeks notice if you want to resign. If that if you have an employment contract that says that, that's the answer. If you don't have an employment contract that says that, then it becomes a little bit more murky. Because, you know, generally speaking, you don't have to give notice of resignation if unless you have a contractual uh, right or contract or provision that says you have to give it. So you can give right at that moment and and I'm done. I'm out of here. If you want to, absolutely. But there is this concept called wrongful resignation. It's kind of the Mm. flip side of a wrongful termination. So, you know, to give you a scenario, Ryan, if I am a VP working on a huge sales pitch and a week before the sales pitch where I'm absolutely, you know, the most important aspect of this pitch and everyone's relying on me, I decided I'm going to go jump ship to a competitor and I'm leaving tomorrow. And I don't have a contract that says I can't, so I think I could do it. You know, because the employer is relying on you in that situation, because they could suffer real damage, real harm, if you leave and they miss out on this opportunity you can actually be liable for the damages they suffered because you resigned without giving appropriate notice. Because just as we say there's reasonable notice of termination, mm-hmm. there is reasonable notice of resignation. Now, usually it's not significant. You know, a week here, two weeks. You know, usually most of us who resign, there's not going to be a huge, um, huge issue with that, that yeah. the employers lost thousands or 
God knows how much money. They may be but happy in, that you're going. Right, in but cases. in the scenario that I just <laughs> described, if they lose out on a massive contract and they can, you know, establish a strong enough connection and say that if you hadn't resigned, we might we probably would have got that contract, you may be liable for the damages that you've caused by not giving enough for, uh, notice of resignation. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number to reach Stan and his uh, uh, colleagues at or online employmentlawyer.ca or email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's jump to another call here, Stan. Uh, we're taking them live here on Global News Radio, 416-870-6400. And uh, let's say good evening to Mark. What do you got, uh, Mark? What's going on? How you doing, guys? Hey. Good, um, Mark. I'm, uh, I'm actually talking, uh, calling on behalf of my girlfriend. Uh, she's been a manager at a retail outlet that had a number of Canadian uh, stores. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess what they decided to do is this uh, large company decided to close a couple of stores. And within those stores, they provided her with uh, a severance package and an offer that she had to sign off on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was about, I'd say, a couple of months ago. And what had happened since is um, recently they've uh, filed for Chapter 11. Now they're closing all the stores. And they're basically going to be sending her off a new severance package that she has to review and sign off on. And and I guess we're wondering, or she's wondering, is this legal? Like, is is does she have to actually sign off on this new contract? Can she not keep the previous contract that she had signed because she was happy with that? But now, from what we understand, you know, Chapter Eleven it complicates everything. But good, it's good question. That the, yeah, that the agreement has already been signed off. On, you know? So the first agreement was signed off on. I'm guessing from what you're telling me that the first agreement required some form of working notice and maybe a payment at the end or salary continuance that they would just continue paying her. Yes, but it was a lump sum payment. They gave her a a, a deadline uh, of when the store was going to close, which is soon. Um, mm-hmm. But since then, uh, so they would have been a lump sum at the end of, say, the next coming weeks. Right. And then all of a sudden, before the closed store closed, um, now they've now they've saying they're closing all the stores, and so now they're modifying that severance package before she even leaves. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, uh, Mark, what it sounds like is going on as you know is that the company is going bankrupt, uh, and that because of that, I mean, what that literally means is that they don't have enough assets to satisfy their liabilities. So you know, even if your, if even if your girlfriend has a signed contract, which is what you know a termination package is, it's a contract. Even though she has a signed contract that says they owe her you know, X amount of dollars, she is just another creditor in that situation. She falls in line with everybody else who's got a signed contract with them saying, hey, you owe us money. And unfortunately, because, you know, employees in bankruptcy situations actually are unsecured creditors, she falls to the bottom of the line. So realistically, it may be that there's nothing that can be done at this point because irrespective of the fact that they may have a contract that says we owe you X amount of dollars, if they don't have the money then there's really no way to get it from them. Right. So I, I guess then the, the question is that she will be getting a new severance package, um, as I said, in the coming days. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is, if that is signed uh, or com- committed to, should she even bother doing that? Or, I mean, at the end of the day, even if she signs this new severance, which is going to be a lot less, um, they may not even pay that out, right? 
Uh, maybe. I mean, it's very strange to me to hear that a company would give your uh, girlfriend a severance package, have her sign off in it, and now give her an, another severance package just as they're entering uh, bankruptcy protections. Because right. generally speaking, you know, when you enter bankruptcy protection, you don't pay out severance packages. Uh, right. There's actually a program called the Wage Earners Protection Program, which is uh, there for employees in these particular circumstances, which will you know, provide for minimum notice for every employee paid but actually out of the government's pocket for employees who are find themselves in a situation where the company's gone bankrupt and they're left with nothing. So I, I'd need to understand the particulars of her situation a little bit more. But again, generally speaking, if they don't have the money, then it doesn't matter if she's got a contract that says they owe her a million bucks. Uh, and Mark, uh, thanks for the call. The, the number would be one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, or email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, that, but that's uh, that's an interesting one there. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate that the employees, the, you know, these are the, the men and women who have been working for some of these companies. I know Sears was the big one. Some of them were working decades at these yeah. companies. And when everything uh, imploded, back of the line, the people who helped bring all that the, the cash, the money yeah. in, and they were they were as you say unsecured uh, creditors and back of the, back of the list. Oh, it's it's absolutely tragic, and I mean a lot of these retail bankruptcies, especially the, a lot of the recent ones, are actually you know if you look at the history of these companies, there's a hedge fund ma- uh, company that came in, bought a company uh, that was profitable, leveraged it through debt, and now is saying that they have more debt than assets and cannot afford to pay out severance. So you know that may be something for the legislature to address because unfortunately the laws just aren't there in these situations to protect employees. Well, I know uh, Lior Sanfiru has pushed, uh, he, he dubbed it the Sears Act, and he's, I think, still trying to get some attention from uh, yeah the federal level to change the rules and, and push employees up into the secured creditor Well, every region. bankruptcy that we see, from yeah. Sears to Pier 1 to Forever 21, you know, yeah. all of these, it just pushes the logic more and more for a type of act like that to protect employees in these situations because, you know, again, the people at the top make out with what they make out, and I, and I can guarantee you that they're not walking away with nothing, but the yeah. people at the bottom, those are, unfortunately, the people who end up with nothing. Well, Stan, that does it for another show. Thanks for coming in here and your calls. And, of course, if you have any questions about your workplace rights, you know where to go. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or employmentlawyer.ca. Greg Brady's back in here in a moment. Global News Radio. Have a good night. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.